everyone, it's Paul Ward here and welcome to another edition of Farm Talk. We are so excited to have Mike Mobley, uh, President of Progressive Land Management with us today. Thanks Mike for joining us. Glad to be here, Paul. Thanks for asking me. Absolutely. So Mike, you are the uh, president and founder, I believe, of Progressive Land Management, a, a farm management company here in Ventura County? That's correct. I started my company back in 1987. So we're 33 years old this year. Great. And uh, you manage farms, not just for yourself, but for other, other farmers. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, uh, people own ranches, property for all kinds of reasons, investment reasons, or they want to live on the ranch, or um, you know, maybe they, they inherited it. There's all kinds of reasons, and, or maybe there's a farmer that, that um, has had the property for a long time and is retired and wants someone else to manage it. So we, we do all the cultural work for, for ranches, and um, basically it's a full, full service. We can do as little as the customer needs, or we can do all the, all the management, or we can um, just even maybe, maybe just develop the ranch. Mm -hmm. we, we specialize in citrus and avocados, but we actually um, can work with all trees and vines mm -hmm. and um, I mean, anything. We've, we've grown corn and pumpkins and we can, we can grow pretty much anything. <laughs> gotcha. How many uh, typically, what would, what would be kind of the typical uh, ranch size that somebody would say, you know, come manage my, come manage my farm? Well, a lot of a lot of ranches tend to be like twenty acres, mm -hmm. but we have we have uh, like in Ohio, there's smaller ranches, maybe only three acres in size. Mm -hmm. um, we've we've had hundred acre ranches, um, and some even larger than that. So it's, but I would say the average size is is twenty acres. Okay, so if a city a city slicker wanted to come up to Ventura County and uh, become a farmer, you could. Uh, you could assist with that. They could say, hey, I don't want to, I just want to live in a beautiful space and have somebody professionally manage my farm, or maybe they want to, you know, kind of pick up some of the information and take over, over a period of time, you could, you could assist with that. Yeah. Yeah. Most people, when they buy a property, they don't have any, any knowledge of agriculture. Um, and they are looking to, you know, they don't want to lose money on the property. They want to have an expert opinion on what to grow, mm -hmm. if, especially if there's nothing uh, planted on the on the property. Now I can assist with with um, deciding what crops to grow, which ones are the best investments. But if it has existing crops, typically it needs some some work to get in in the shape. But most people just don't have the the knowledge or the desire to learn or or just even the time. To commit to to doing it themselves, so that's why they hire a professional management company like us to, to, to do it. And and some people want to help out on weekends, and we encourage that. Mm -hmm. um, if they want to just go out and try to get gophers, or, or, you know, or even just pick the fruit in the in the, um, the family orchard or something, um, it doesn't really matter to us. Right, we can do as little as as needed, or we can do turn turnkey where all they do is write us a monthly check. <laughs> right, right. And what would you, let's just say somebody, you know, fell in love with, you know, one, two, three, Banana Street. Uh, 
it had an existing orchard, they were thinking about buying the property. Uh, what would be some of the things that you would uh, look at if they're kind of giving serious consideration to buying a, yeah. an orchard? What would be some of the things that you would look at initially and advise them on? Well, when you look at a property, the very first thing you always look at is the water source. Mm -hmm. What, where is the water coming from? Is it a, is it a well that's on the property? And if it is a well, what's, what's the capacity of the well? Um, what kind of um, energy source does it use? Does it use natural gas for a motor or use it electricity or some other form? And then you look at the, the soils, mm -hmm. um, wanna see what kind of soils um, the, the property has. Um, and then the, the location, geographic location, some, some areas tend to be very cold Mm -hmm. and, and sensitive to, uh, or say, vulnerable to frost. And you'd want to make sure that there's adequate frost protection. In some areas that are very vulnerable to like east wind, and you'd want to have um, maybe wind protection, maybe some um, windbreak trees, mm -hmm. or to have a different kind of crop that is not as susceptible to, to wind damage. But um, certainly water is the key. And then, and then the land or the soil, and then the um, the trees. If there's trees on there, then we need to assess assess the, the health of the trees. Right. Um, try to try to figure out what kind of care they received, what kind of help they're in, and if they're not healthy, what it would take to get them to a healthy, more productive state. Mm -hmm. And people always want to know the cost. They want to they want to get an estimate. What is it going to cost to fix up the property, to maybe plant more trees, to upgrade. Um, maybe they, it needs a new irrigation system, or maybe they want to add electronics. Maybe they want to uh, convert a manual irrigation system to complete automatic, where we put in a, um, a sensor that would sense the, the dryness of the soil. And once, the, um, once it got to a certain dryness, the irrigation system would, would kick on Mm -hmm. start automatically and would run for a certain period of time until it replaced the, the water that the trees use. And then um, well, same way with, with frost protection, we can put automatic devices on the wind machines where the wind machines start at a temperature that we set before it freezes and then we have it set for to our temperature to shut off. So basically it's it's automatic. You know, no one has to be there to turn on and off a wind machine. And that's that's really a, a not only a money saver but a time saver, and and uh, it just you know makes makes people's um, just gives them a level of comfort that that they don't need to worry about it. If they go on vacation mm -hmm. or leave the property for an extended period of time, um, you know we would we would be there as a backup. But if they have an automatic system, it's it's going to irrigate. It's going to do frost control, um, whatever whatever it needs. That's kind of the way agriculture has been going. It's more tech, much higher technology, and um, all those. You know, there's certainly a cost involved, but it always involves uh, uh, less or savings of labor and money, and and even crops. Saving your crop. I mean, if you had, you know, two hundred thousand dollars worth of avocados on your trees, you could lose the entire crop in one night right. if, it, if the temperature gets down to like 28 or below. Right. But running water as a heat source or running a wind machine can bring up the temperature two or three degrees and save your crop and make all the difference. 
Yeah. I've seen, you know, years ago I, I sold the property and the owner was way ahead of his time. He'd worked for Hughes Aircraft for 35 years and he was very tech savvy and he had uh, moisture readers in his in the soil in different zones of the property. And every morning he would get an email of evaporation rate sent to his mm -hmm. uh, his computer every morning. And um, it took a while to sell the property. I think everybody was so intimidated by his system that he had created. And they said, my gosh, what would happen if it, if it broke? I mean, you are selling this property, but you're also in some ways selling the technology. And now the technology is so advanced, you could just go on your phone, you know, see how much water's in the tank, turn the water on for so many minutes, for so many hours. Um, you can essentially be anywhere in the world almost and you know see yeah. what's happening at your property. Yeah, now we have moil, um, moisture sensors that would, would um, calculate the, the moisture level in, in the soil like every 13 minutes. Wow. So you can see it on your phone. You could um, have it in graph form. I'll say on a, the, a smartphone where you could actually, it would on, automatically graft you could see how the soil is getting dry, drier, dry, drier, and you can predict within two, three, maybe even a week in advance that it's on this day, um, in you know, this period of time, it's going to require an irrigation. So you can, um, you know, you can predict it way in advance. But the the best thing is not only knowing when to turn it on, but it's even more important when to turn the water off. So you can do have a capacitance type moil, soil moisture device that measures the level of soil or measure the level of moisture in the soil from the surface all the way down to like 30 inches. Mm -hmm. And as you irrigate that, you can see the water at the upper profile get wetter, but it's dry down below, but you can actually physically watch the moisture level uh, as the water goes down. Um, and you can you can basically if you shut off your irrigation system, you're going to still have the water going deeper profile. But you want to be able to shut the water off before the water gets below the root zone. If you do that, you've basically just wasted water. <laughs> There's no reason to water below the root zone. It's just right. unless you're leaching. If you're trying to leach the salts out of the out of mm -hmm. the soil, which we do occasionally, that'd be the only reason to do that. But so Otherwise, these devices are great at wa saving water and right. putting, allowing us to, to measure and, and predict exactly how much water to add to the system. Mm -hmm. I typically tell people too that I'd rather have a crappy, you know, buy a crappy grove with good water than a beautiful grove with, you know, risky, expensive water. Yeah. Um, you know, because the cost of water is such a factor in farming today. Yeah, with high cost water, the only way to make money is to have consistently high production. Mm -hmm. And that kind of puts a lot of pressure on the orchard to consistently have high, you know, high production every year. And, but which is not really practical years. There's going to be years where right. the crop just doesn't set and you're going to have lower, lower yields. You might lose money that year, but then the next year you might make it up. But when you have high water costs, your mar your profit margins are very thin. It's it definitely is definitely riskier. We we much prefer 
um, a well water situation versus buying it from the county or district, which is much higher cost. Right. What do you think the future is in farming in terms of you know, just kind of where we're going and technologies and you know new crops? Uh, I know that the gem avocado is becoming quite popular as opposed to the traditional you know, Haas yeah. or lamb Haas. What, what, what do you think is happening? Well, uh, speaking of the crops that I know the best, um, avocados and citrus, um, in Ventura County, yeah, we are seeing um, a big increase in, in the number of avocado acreage. Um, it's, it's mostly halves, but there are quite a bit of this new variety called gem. Um, gem only represents about 10% of the, of the industry's production right now, mm -hmm. but it is increasing because um, gem is a great avocado. It, it produces higher, um, higher volumes than has and tends to um, have a better flavor because it has more oil. So people like to uh, prefer the gem avocado versus has. Mm -hmm. um, so avocado acres is going to continue for a long time. I mean, we see demand keep increasing. We see higher imports from Peru and Chile and Argentina and Mexico and even other countries, but yet people can still consume them. And they, in the last, I think they figured the last five years, consumption of avocados in the United States has actually doubled. Wow. Um, so I think it was three, three and a half pounds per person. Now it's up to seven pounds per person. Wow. But in Mexico, you know, the product, the consumption is around 25 pounds per person. So we're, the United States has a long way to go if we're at seven and they're at 25. So right. we're expecting the market to grow uh, quite a bit over the next few years. Um, there's quite a bit of lemons that are going in. Uh, a lot of people think that lemon industry is, is definitely stable um, and a, a good, good investment. Um, where I think we're reaching the point where we might be approaching uh, saturation or, or um, you know, say the maximum acres that, that can be um, profitable and still supply the market and without going oversupply because there is quite a bit of uh, foreign fruit that comes in, uh, especially from Chile, Mexico, and Argentina. So, um, so we're, we expect the lemon market to stay strong, um, but I think we'll, we'll see progressively fewer acres going in um, as, as the market kind of stabilizes. Also, um, Valencia's, uh, Valencia's are pretty stable too, except our crops here in Ventura County, our trees, tree age is over 50 years, might be closer to 60 years. Our trees are very old. Mm -hmm. They um, have quality issues. We see a, a little bit of new Valencia's going in, but um, I think over time, people are going to realize that their older trees really need to be um, replaced with younger trees that are going to be more productive and have better quality fruit. Mm -hmm. There's definitely a market for Valencia's in Ventura County because our, for a six-week period, Basically, the the end, or say the last two weeks of August through the entire month of September, Ventura County is about the only place in the in the world that you can get a good Valencia tree or Valencia oranges, mm -hmm. which are sold fresh, but most people use them as juice, and they're super sweet. So we have the corn on the market for that six-week period. So. Prices tend to be very high, very profitable, but what brings Ventura County down is the, the quality of the fruit. We have a very small 
percentage of actually going into a box and sold fresh. Much higher per, uh, percent is sold as juice, which isn't as profitable. So as people um, realize that they need to recondition the trees, take take out the old Valencia trees and replant new, I think um, that'll be a good good variety, especially in places of the county where it's really too cold to grow anything else. It's too cold for lemons. It's too mm -hmm. cold for avocados. But like in Ojai, it's perfect for Valencia oranges. Mm -hmm. um, parts of Peru where it's very cold, great place for oranges. Um, we still see quite a bit of mandarins. Um, there's not that many going in. Mm -hmm. um, the market, you know, there's it's oversaturated in, in Satsumas. But there's other varieties that are that are really probably better suited for Ventura County that are still still very prop, um, profitable. Um, also, the Caracara navels and it's navel variety that is um, very popular. It's a little bit more of a um, have more of a pink uh, tone to the to the flesh and. The uh, you know kind of like a blood apple, but it's not. I mean, blood orange, but not as not as red as as that. But it is more of a pink versus a Washington navel. But um, the Caracaras seem to be doing very well, very popular as an up and coming navel variety. And again, that can go in those colder areas. That is just too too cold for avocados. Interesting. Do you see anybody converting from um, conventional to organic? I know a few organic farmers that are. Uh, saying that they're getting some great prices, especially on their avocados, uh, significantly yes. higher than conventional. You see people doing the conversion? Yeah, um, there is definitely um, there's definitely more acres going into to organic production. I think organic for the industry is about 10% now. So 10% of the production is, is organic and it's getting more popular because the, the prices tend to be very stable, um, a, a good premium over conventional prices that holds out through most of the year. The only thing is um, you can't really start an orchard organically. It's very difficult because you have a battle with weeds. It's much easier to take a, an established orchard that has you know 70% shading of the ground or more. Mm -hmm. um, so it's less of a battle against the weeds. And then it'll take three years to convert that orchard into an organic uh, certified um, grove, and then you can start selling your fruit as organic. Um, we see some citrus going or organic. Um, certainly, there's quite a few um, uh, mandarin varieties up in Ojai that are organic. Um, there's lemons. The lemon organic deal seems to be um, possibly a, a good way to go, especially if there's starting to be a little bit oversupply. Um, the, the organic lemon market seems to be very stable, and as, as long as people can um, you know, pay, pay for the extra culture cost, because it does cost more um, to control the weeds, plus you have to, you have to spray twice. Um, we have this pest called the Asian citrus psyllid, mm -hmm. which is the vector for the hoblong bing uh, citrus greening dis disease, which is a bacteria. So we have to spray for the Asian citrus psyllid, but when, when we have organic situations, we two organic sprays equal one conventional spray. So we have to spray twice as much because the organic materials only last a very short window. So you have to spray three weeks apart. But um, but we do three or four 
uh, sprays a year conventionally. So that means six to even up to eight um, treatments with organic orchards. So it's it's definitely more expensive. So we have to make sure that the premium it covers that extra cost. But um, I know people have made good money with with organic lemons and certainly other citrus varieties too. Yeah, I know one avocado farmer who's got uh, Haas, Lamb Haas and Gem. So he's got multiple picks throughout the year um, because they're all ripe at different times and he's organic. So he's he's got the pickers in the field several yeah, times a year. Yeah, we've had, um, we were taking care of 52 acres of organic Haas up in Carpinteria and it was just unbelievable the production they were getting and the consistent high prices. I mean, it was probably, I would say 60 to 70 cents uh, per pound premium over the conventional price. But wow. the production was, I don't, I never saw the production go under 20,000 pounds. It was usually between 24,000 and close to 28,000 pounds per acre per year consistently. That's incredible. Carpentry is absolutely the most incredible places for growing avocados. The, oh, that's amazing. The climate is absolutely perfect. It doesn't, in most places, it, it doesn't freeze. A little bit of wind uh, frost protection needed, but not very much. The threat of frost is very, very um, low. But it just seems to be warm enough in the, the springtime during bloom and just wow, consistent production, heavy production. Whereas in Vendor County, we tend to have more, um, you know, peaks and valleys, you know, you know, one high, heavy year followed by a small year. Right. That, that's the typical physiology of a, of a house or any avocado tree is, is um, up and down alternate bearingness, they call it. Mm -hmm. But, um, but we, sometimes we, not sometimes, we actually encourage our, our growers um, for the ranches that we take care of, we, we wanna pick early. We wanna pick almost all the fruit off in January and February before the next year's crop is set. So that really helps balance out and takes the, the highs and lows out of the, out of the tree production. So mm -hmm. um, have much more consistent and really reduces the alternate bearingness by picking early. And so that when the tree is, is setting crop, it, it knows it doesn't have any fruit on, on the tree. So it wants to set a heavy crop every year versus if you waited and had a heavy crop and then it goes to set another crop, it's naturally gonna not wanna set a heavy crop if it already is holding a heavy crop. So, so we trick the tree by picking the fruit early, but you, you can only do that by providing huge, and I mean huge amounts of potassium. We really load up our our house or all avocado trees with lots and lots of potassium because you know avocados have twice the amount of potassium than than say a banana mm -hmm. so we give as much potassium as those trees can hold that way in january and february those that fruit is already eight nine ten ounces it's plenty ready to be picked it's got lots of oil it's a very good eating fruit early on like that we pick it um, February, March, before the fruit is next year's crop is set and it just worked. That's like the key to growing avocados is extra potassium, pick early, can't lose. <laughs> That's good advice. Well, thank you, Mike. How can somebody get a hold of you if they wanted to know more about 
Grove Management and they're thinking about buying a ranch here in Ventura County? Well, the easiest way would be to go on our website, which is www.prolandman.com, prolandman.com. So that's Progressive Land Management um, abbreviated. Prolandman.com. Yep. And then my email address is mike at prolandman.com. That sounds good. That's easy enough. Well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, anytime. It was, uh, it was great. Always good to share time with you, Paul. Likewise. Thank you.